0: Welcome into another episode of Bare Bones Offseason Edition. As always, I am Mason West, and this time, lucky enough to be joined by special guest. I just call him Hugh. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Quentin Crisco. Uh,
1: you can find me on Twitter at Buckestats. Uh You can listen to me at the Shaving Points Podcast, and also on Bears on Tap, where you can find my writing.
0: I uh, figure I might as well wear my uh, Shaving Points podcast hat that you, there <laughs> there you gave go. me. I don't really rock the dad hat super well, but you know I'll do it for this. <laughs> I like it. It looks, it looks fly. So good news and bad news. We got a lot of news <laughs> Just to kind of talk about before we dive into the mock here. Some of it's cool, some of it's not. Uh, get the nitty gritty out of the way. Uh, Jalen Carter, right? One of the top prospects that the Bears were looking at. I know he was number one on my board. I have... I have him over Will Anderson uh, as someone that I was really interested wanted on on this team and you know he's got some legal troubles he's got to deal with um there's not a lot that I want to specifically talk about this outside of saying hey this is info- this is here um and I think we just need more information uh we just don't have that and there's a lot of time between now and when the actual draft happens
1: yeah i mean it sucks like the way that all this has come out i mean and we'll see we'll see where it goes you know i mean we we don't know the full story we don't know all the details and it's i have a really hard time saying anything about like you can't draft him now or like you can still draft him. like either side of it i just it's just it's all gray area you know it, it but it sucks cuz it's it potentially i mean for me i looked at this as a three person first round Essentially, because I figured the Bears weren't going beyond four. Probably at least two quarterbacks are going to be taken in the top four. Yeah. And so I was like, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson, any of those guys I'm happy with, probably in that order for me. Uh, but I can, I keep, I keep going back and forth on Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, which I like better. But um, Carter was a clear one, you know, and on tape he still is, but there's so many there's so many questions now on the nothing on the field on off the field stuff, which you just, you, you hate to hate to see, hate to have a question come up about it ever. And like, it's not even for me, it's, it's not even the questions about who he is as a person, as much as does this not rock you to your core? Like how do you bounce back from, from going through something like this? How does it impact you in your everyday life? Like, is he going to be the same person he even was? You know that that's that's where my questions kind of lie.
0: That's a valid point. I mean, people change as individuals from from less than this, right? And yeah. and this is already a hard enough process as it is to to be on one of the biggest stages. Um, I mean, he made the choice to come back um and, and be at the combine even though he wasn't he wasn't gonna be participating anyway but to be there with the rest of the, the guys in the D line group so I mean that's hard for I, I don't know that I could do that <laughs> honestly with all this yeah. going on um but so gotta give him some props on that but at the same time uh it's it's real touch and go. We'll see what happens. Um and yeah like you just said it just sucks it's unfortunate uh we've seen some things like this before um, I'm not going to put them all in the same categories, but basically we've seen right in draft ind- individuals drop because of something that pops up in the draft process, you know, in the pre-draft process. And some of them turn out fine, amazing football players, amazing people. And then in other instances you see crash and burn and you never hear from them again. So, uh, Or you hear from, the, from them for the wrong reasons, a la Antonio Brown. I'll I'll totally blast him because he's insane, uh, doing all yeah. the wrong stuff.
1: Well, hey, <laughs> um, he owns an arena football league team now, so – That's fun.
0: (laughs) On the more positive note, um, the Bears are in the news for good reason, which is kind of weird around draft time. Either I'm used to not having first round picks. I'm used to the Bears just kind of being there and being like, all right, we'll pick eventually. Um, But they're the talk of the town, right? They are the bell of the ball for the combine, whether it's teams trying to talk to him about potential trades. Um, whether it's just the fact that they have the number one pick. You keep getting flashes of Ryan Poles and Ava They're some of the first GM head coach combos to get talked about in the morning on NFL Network and on ESPN. One of my favorite things that came up was when they were talking about how they're putting prospects through darts and putt-putt to see how competitive they are. I know that's really meatbally, but I absolutely love that. I mean, I know I'm the kind of guy that I want to win whatever I'm playing. I don't care what it is. So I, I think that's cool. You do see a bit of is someone just kind of going through the motions and, and not taking this seriously, or are they just a competitive person by nature? Yeah. I mean, I love it. I think
1: it's, I think it's an awesome idea. I mean, obviously you probably can't read too, too much into it, but like, that's where the, the, the fine details and stuff are. like the, like, cause when you're going through this, you're going to, they're going to be picking between a prospect that they have graded, like on a scale of 10, a 9.03 versus a 9.02. You know, it's the little things like how they reacted to that or how like, you know, competitive they were in that moment that can kind of push push one guy ahead of the other, I think.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, And you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the differences between these players I and mean, you just and when you, at the beginning here, you listed three players, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson. I mean, we are nitpicking in terms of the differences between like a Tyree Wilson and a Will Anderson. If you get either of those players, I don't know that you're mad about it. You know, I had a conversation today about some of the wide receivers. Like if you got a a JSN versus a flowers, I'm not mad about either one of those players, but I I definitely have a preference one way or the other. So you got to figure out ways to really separate outside of just, Hey, this one ran a 40.05 seconds faster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you're talking about the blue chips or the draft. Like when you're not, when you're this high, not needing to go for quarterback, you're, you're, there are just so many guys who you can consider there that like, are I wouldn't, that I'm not even considering like I me, mean, you can throw Paris Johnson in the mix up there. Like a, um, Brian Brzee, like uh, guys who are just freaks of freaks athletically. And
0: you'd be thrilled to have them too. You know, that's one of the things that sucks that I'm watching. I was just watching the combine before we popped on here. And unfortunately I'll have to go back and watch what Will Anderson does. Cause we might run a little past what he's doing, but you start watching all these guys and you're like, can I just have all of them? <laughs> can I, can I just get yeah. all of these players onto this team? And you just can't do that, obviously. Well, yeah, this is
1: the first year where I've ever like actually done a project of going through and watching tape on, you know, I've, I've watched, um, I think, 90, 89 or 90 guys now. And it's like, I fall in love with a third of them, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can't, you can't have that many guys. There's no way that many, that many of those guys are going to work out either. But it's like you just you fall in love with these guys' tapes so often that it makes it really difficult. Like I can only imagine being an actual scout and trying to decide which guys you're pounding the table for versus which guys you're uh, you're letting
0: letting kind of pass you by. Well, that's a good transition for us because we did have to make some decisions uh, in this mock draft that we're doing today. Uh, as a reminder, and a lot of people are not going to listen to this anyway, but I'm going to say it every single time. Uh, Danny and I, at least, and as you notice, Danny's not here. He's got real life stuff he's got to be doing today. Um, but we cannot pick the same players. So as you can see, this is our third mock draft. So I have already made 20 plus selections. So if your favorite player is not on here, maybe I already picked them. Uh, Q doesn't uh, have that shackle. He got to go through and select people as he saw fit through, through his. Uh, we both use PFF mock just because it's really easy to use. It's streamlined. I, I think it's one of the better ones out there. Um, and of course, this is one hundred percent accurate. We have to remind you: this is what the Bears are going to absolutely be doing. So obviously, tear us apart in the comments as you as you listen here. <laughs> yeah, I gotta I got love like, I like the that. stupid PowerPoint stuff, right? <laughs> so, uh, actually, you get to go first. So, this is the trade you did. Uh, kind of talk through your thought process: why the Colts? Why? Uh, why did you send them an extra fifth? It was the general idea of you know, not wanting to go beyond four, four was,
1: I, I had a ceiling as, or a floor, I guess you'd call it as far as how far I was willing to go down in the draft. And that was number four. Um, and the extra fifth was just to get the extra third. I mean, that was that it's what the uh, mock draft required of me to do. So it was the cheapest pick they'd accept to get that, that extra pick in the top hundred. And I wanted that. I love a lot of this draft from like day two. Basically, I guess would be the best way to say it. I love a lot of the day two guys and I wanted more of them. So I'll give up a fifth to get back in
0: the top 100. Well, that that absolutely makes sense. Um, and, and a little more realistic too. Uh, obviously, with some of the mock drafts out there, there's some crazy stuff, crazy trades pop around. So throwing a little extra cheddar their way definitely helps out. And that leads ultimately to who you pick first. August, go through your first pick in this draft, a man we just talked about. Yeah, Jalen Carter. Um, so,
1: if I could preface this, actually, I'll I'll go through my free agency signings because I did a full free agency projection in order to do this because it's just it's really hard to. Honestly, try to put together a mock draft before free agency happens. So, first off, I added Zach Allen on the interior D-line. Guy who can play a little nose in a one-gap scheme and play a little three-tech. He, he's interchangeable. He can play either one. Um, and I also signed Derek Noddy there as, a, as just a run-stuffer type depth, depth guy. And he can maybe start for you if you need him to. Like, if the draft didn't fall your way and... You didn't get the D tackle you wanted. You still have some safety there by having Nani. Uh, and I signed Marcus Davenport to play the edge. Bobby Okereke at linebacker. Daniel Brunskill to fill in that hole at left guard. Because I'm assuming that Whitehair wouldn't be here or wouldn't be reliable health-wise. Um, so I'm not sure I want to go into the next season saying white, we have to have Cody Whitehair stay healthy for this to work. And – I just, I want to get a depth guy there because that gives you the flexibility in this draft. There are a lot of offensive linemen I like who can play tackle or guard. Um, and it gives you the ability to kind of be interchangeable there. And Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. They're going to sign a right tackle. Whether it's McGlinchey, McGarry, um, or Jawan Taylor, I think they're going to get one of those three. Uh, most I think most likely is McGlinchey. Um and I also added Tony Pollard and Alan Lazard. So that leaves me with a hole, not a hole, but a below standard starter in Derek Nottie at at the three-tech spot. Jalen Carter's best three-tech in the draft. In revisionist history, I might go Kyrie Wilson here, or I might stick with Carter. I don't know. Like we said at the top of the show, we need more information before we can decide that. But I just – I've been putting my opinion out there about Jalen Carter for three months now. I think he is the best player in this draft. I think a lot of people think he's the best player in this draft so not to say that that is you know some some rare opinion but I think it's an easy pick with it once you take the uh, off the field stuff out of it.
0: Yeah, and I agree. Like, you know, obviously, we also did – you sent me this before we found this out. Let's also put that out there. Um, That might shift it a little bit, of course. But I agree. I'm right there with you. He, I still think he's literally the best player in this draft. Uh, and as we said at the beginning, there's a long time between now and when the draft actually happens. If somebody was salivating over Jalen Carter as the player, you know, they could – there's a lot that they can do whether it's talking to him talking to agents talking to people around him talking to cops um all these teams have their own like private investigators and all this stuff um there there's there's tons that's going to go on between now and then and uh, uh, the decision that is best for the franchise will be made but on march 3rd, 2nd is not really the time to cross this individual off the board at, at least in my opinion yeah i actually
1: heard a uh not, not to dive back into it too much, but I heard an interesting thing on and J. Hood this morning about the 911 call that was, was made after the crash. You could hear in the background a few different people, I think it was, saying, like, JC, get out of here. Jalen, just, just go. go. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, again, it doesn't take away what happened what he may have done but like it's it's just it adds more context to what what we have heard
0: yeah i do think it's very easy to to sit in our our judgment chairs off on the side without being in a situation and being able to say what we would or wouldn't do so it's, it's definitely some interesting context to take into account but that brings it to uh to my training I opted to dive a little further. Um, I went two with the Texans. I think went to the Colts in another one. This one, I had an offer I could not refuse. Um, the Panthers called me up, number one, and they were going to give me Brian Burns, along with their number nine. Two seconds in in this draft They got from one of their previous trades. I just don't even remember what's Um Now, I'm, obviously... Uh, what I will say owner Dave Tepper is super aggressive, uh, the, be, the be better and not being good. So I think whether it was his comments or, uh, Reich's comments that they want, they're going to groom a quarterback. Uh, they got to get up in the draft to do so. And if you're going to make a swing like that, why not go to the number one overall to do that? Um, some might say, Hey Mason, if the Panthers wanted to trade Brian Burns, why wouldn't you have done that at the deadline? Cause that was some rumors that were going around at the time. Or why would you start a young quarterback and give away some weapons that make his plays life easier? I would say it's very different leveraging Brian Burns to get the QB you want than trading Burns for a mid or late for pick, right? Because most of the teams that are going to be trading for Brian Burns, the deadline were probably teams that were at least in some contention. Um, and it also saves future draft capital this way that the Panthers can use to build around their quarterback. Because if I'm going down to nine, I'm going to ask for more than, than this, to be completely honest. Um, and You know, would also say that while a dominant edge can be certainly helpful, you know, than a young QB and other, there are other positions that are more impactful. For example, you're not going to trade a DJ Moore. DJ Moore is more directly going to help whatever young quarterback you go get. And also, you really just need the quarterback (laughs) before you can worry about building too much. Uh, Yes, edge is one of the most important positions, but at the end of the day, quarterback is the most important position. So while not likely, I'm still going to go with it. Uh, but that then brings up my actual pick when I traded down to nine. Yeah, right. Actually, yeah. What do you think I traded? To...
1: So, I mean, I. The way that I'm thinking about it is, the Rams offered the Panthers two for two first round picks. Now, future first round, I think it was like a 25 and 26 or something first round pick. You know, it was because the Rams don't have picks, so it had to be something like that, I believe. They offered them two first round picks for Brian Burns at the trade deadline and the Panthers said no. So they see him as worth two first round picks. So by that logic you're getting four first round picks back for number 1 <laughs> overall. Like I think that is a great trade. And I mean cuz you got uh, you got a one this year, a one next year and you got a guy who he, m- he may, might not be a blue chip edge rusher like but he is a top tier guy still. Like I, I don't think he's a complete game wrecker like a like a Nick Bosa or like a Miles Garrett, but he's close. About as close as you can get
0: without being one. Yeah, that was that was my thought process for the most part as well, uh, and that allowed me to move a little further back in the drive to some to the mid round and take this gentleman here, uh, Quentin Johnson, wide receiver at TCU. Um, so he's. Six foot four, 212 pounds. He didn't have a lot of production, uh, but in 2000, uh, previously, but in 2022, he really stepped it up with 60 receptions for just over a thousand yards and six touchdowns. Uh, we will know in a few days, but most think he's going to run in the four three area. And one of his calling cards is his athleticism. I mean, he's just an athletic freak, but combining it with his size is really what makes him interesting and would give the Bears that true X that they just haven't had since I mean, really what Elshon Jeffrey, I guess. Um, it appears to be a pro, the prototypical, like I said, X receiver, could step in immediately and be a number one in, in a lot of different offenses, really excels against zone coverage and has an explosive first step to reduce cushion off of coverage pretty quickly. Uh, he's good in catch and run situations and just gets yards after the catch, has violent explosive lateral vertical movements. Biggest issue is that what he does against man and his lack of production prior. Uh, against press man. he did allow defensive backs to get into his chest a bit and have an opportunity of slowing him down to the line of scrimmage. He can be better at contested catches. He had eight drops, uh, which is not great for your big X. And he ran a pretty limited route tree. Now, with that description, that might give you kind of maybe shades of Kevin White, which makes all Bears fans shudder. Um, keep in mind, Kevin White's biggest issue at the end of the day was the injuries, right? They stacked up. They sapped him of his athleticism. It wasn't necessarily the the size. It wasn't the athleticism. his original athleticism. It wasn't the limited route tree. That was really the issue. Um, and yes, you can look in terms of that productivity, that, that also, you know, he only had that one year, but it's, you take a swing for the fence right here in the middle round. Um, are you going to go for production? Are you going to go for traits? Uh, I, we also know that the bears are big traits people you see, like they constantly are now showing off their analytics. Um, if there was a YouTube video where they had a bunch of kids come in and they were just showing how scouts work and all this, and they showed them an analytic department. And one of the things they really promoted was, Hey, here are our, Here's the equations. Here's what we're looking at. And to and our top guys, Justin Fields is up there. Chase Claypool is up there, etc. So that this is important for them as well. Um, if he can really develop, get that route tree growing, I'm thinking prime May Green.
1: I, I actually I like that comp. Actually, I think that's. I mean, there's a lot of ifs baked into it, but I think that's one of the better comps I've heard for him. If I'm being completely honest, because he's 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 a weird. So we're got to try to find comps for because he's yeah such such a tall player but lanky and fast like and, and his play style isn't like most receivers you see with that type of height it's just it's just different which isn't a bad thing like the NFL is all about collecting as many different types of athletic freaks as you can right and that's that that's what you do with him I I'll be honest I love the pick here I made some similar like I did like twenty mocks to try to find the one that I like the most and testing out stuff like trading out to that seven to nine range. And I ended up sitting there saying like, there were some times where I took Paris Johnson or like some other guys, like uh, maybe a miles Murphy somewhere or something or a Van Ness. But um, really where I ended up was I like, I love the O line depth in this class. So I'm not going to take Paris Johnson that early because there are just so many tackles. When I have five top 100 picks, there are so many tackles I might have a shot at, right? Yeah. And edge rusher. There are plenty of guys in the top 50 where I expect to be again, like after a trade down, that I like. You know, they're not Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson, but I still think they're pretty darn good. And that left me saying, they're saying, if I'm sitting here in the back, back at the top 10, what's the one position that, is the most scarce in this draft that has a high level talent in it and that's receiver Quentin johnson it just makes a lot of sense
0: and there's a comment here uh windy city sky climber why not addison uh, Quentin johnson's a copy of chase Claypool. i would disagree with that just because right now so far what we've seen from chase in a Bears uniform is an inability to go up and get the ball um he so i while they might have similar body types and maybe they dual test similarly or something of that nature. First he's also, I believe that Quinn John's going to be faster than Chase Claypool. Um, that's another thing too, but I just don't see that. Um, And then you said also, uh, I assume this is Tyree Wilson. Uh, I believe he was gone when I picked here. And also I just traded for Brian Burns. Now you can't have enough edge rushers, of course, but at the same time, there's also so many holes on this bears team that like, like you said, You have as a flowers, you have Addison, you have some other receivers, but it's such a stark drop off, especially for an X, like a true big get up and get it also with speed guy. And we're seeing that now, right. With, with free agency, like what free agent would you sign? Who's going to be your number one receiver. It doesn't exist because those guys don't, don't get to free agencies. You have to draft them. And uh, that's why I opted to, to go this route. So
1: to the point of he's the same as Claypool, I think he's really different than Claypool. I think yeah. I think he has – Quentin Johnston has some impressive agility ability like that I saw on tape. He, good with in-breakers and curl routes, stopping routes, and just he is able to break suddenly in ways that I don't think Claypool can. Claypool didn't do agility drills when he was coming out the draft i think quentin johnson is going to i don't know that he will but i feel like he should because i think it's something that he can really separate himself from the class with um because guys that tall can't usually break like he does that tall and fast i should say can't usually break like he does it's a it's a rare trait that he has the ability to really harness like him on slant routes and and those quick
0: cutters is, is extremely dangerous Oh, absolutely. I, I I'm really curious to see how he tests in these coming days. Um, and like, yes, he does need to work on the drops and things like that. But I, I couldn't agree more. He really is not Chase Claypool. It's if you look go that route, it's just because you're looking at a box score, a height, yeah. a weight. And maybe that's and that's kind of where you're stopping. Yeah, I mean,
1: height, height, weight, speed. I can see the comparison. But beyond that, I think their play styles are pretty different.
0: Oh, so I get to go again just in terms of how the picks fell. It's a snake. And uh, I ended up taking uh, Mazzy Smith, who actually is not testing today. Um, I was a little bummed about that. I wanted to see how he ran. Uh, He's a large individual uh, out of Michigan, 6'3", 326 pounds, just a big, strong cat, like just big. (laughs) Run defense is blue chip. I mean, if you want a stopper or someone who's going to wreck the run game, it's this guy. He can take up multiple gaps. Very impressive lateral movement for someone of his size. And again, that's why I want to see that because I wanted to see him go over those bags today and how he did it, handled it. Um, he has pass rush upside. Uh, if he had a little more pass rush currently, I think he'd be a true first rounder. But that's why I think I was able to snag him here at pick 39 because he doesn't have that right now. Shorter arm, so he can definitely get held off at times. He'll get a little, he'll get laid off the ball. Admittedly, he's best in a 3-4. But I think he can play no tackle on a 4-3 simply due to his ability to move and the athleticism that he does have. Uh, I I, have, I kind of put him at a Dontari Poe type if I had to pick someone, but I'm hoping that it's just a titch more athletic, and hopefully maybe even the Bears could throw a couple of those uh, fullback passes that Dontari Poe was able to, to do with the Chiefs. I mean, I love this pick. I, I personally do not
1: think Mozzie Smith is going to get out of the first round. I think he might even land in the top twenty. Oh, wow. uh, I think he's just been overlooked by a lot of the uh, the analysts out there because of nitpicking. But like, when you when you get a guy with his type of athleticism at his size, I just I don't I don't I don't care if he even knows how to play football. I, I just think he's that freakish. I mean, obviously that's a huge exaggeration, but like. Yeah, yeah. He's good against the run. Like you said, he has pass rush upside. Like, what are we doing here when we look at this guy's athleticism to say he's – he's 32 teams are going to pass him up, you know? Like, I'm trying to pull it up here. So, 22 reps of bench press at 325. Not 225. 325 pounds. Um, Wild. While vertical jumps 33 inches at like 330-something pounds. Broad jumped over nine nine feet, um, and clocked at a four four one shuttle, and a six point nine five three cone. Like that is those are like record breaking numbers if he did it at the combine. At three hundred thirty pounds is a nose tackle, not two hundred eighty pounds like Kalijah Cancy. (laughs) Three hundred thirty pounds, and that's not a knock on Kalijah Cansey. Yeah, ridiculous, Mozzie Smith is. It's he is utterly ludicrous. There's a lot he has to clean up. But like, when he makes splash plays, you put your life on taking that guy. <laughs> like when you see him on tape, it's it's just that type of upside. I don't see,
0: I don't see lasting. But if it does, I love him here. Love it. I am. So I was really excited about this. I got a little worried with the system, but then as I watched more tape of him and how he moved, I was like, I don't care. Just put him in. He just plays football. <laughs> it's fine. He'll play whatever you need him to play. Exactly. And now we're moving on to Q's pick, but oh, wait, one moment. We are labeling him a Cheater McCheaterson because he actually opted to do a second trade, which was not allowed in this draft. That was going to be our 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 next one. I'm sorry. I didn't read the rules (laughs) fine enough then. But, 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 you know, guest is the only, you know, in theory, mock you're going to (laughs) do on bare bones. So we're going to let it slide. uh, But talk us through uh, this draft trade you did with the Patriots. So in most of the mocks I tried.
1: Mozzie smith wasn't there at 39 that's who i wanted um and outside of that like the board just like I, I like i said i love a lot of the day two guys in this draft but the way the board ends up stacking you end up with a lot of three four pass rushers sitting there at, at this pick a lot of a lot of guys who just aren't great fits or like josh downs is nice but like i don't know if he's top 40 pick nice and i just end up sitting there saying over and over fine i'll take i'll take one of these tackles who i could get it you know 50 so why not trade down to a little before 50 so that's what i I wanted to do i mean i really didn't care that much about what i got back for it just the fact that i was getting something back for moving down so I, i picked up a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick this year and a fourth round pick next year uh, it's probably doomed because trading with the Patriots tends to be a bad idea, but we'll find out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that you were able to, you know, you didn't move too, too far back, but getting both those fourths this year and, and the next year, especially with a draft class that just has a lot of that. Like we talked about this and you said this specifically, some deep edge talent as well as some deep offensive line talent. Being able to pick up those those extra picks up in the, that range is going to be great for this year. So I, I like this, this trade but talk us through now who you actually picked. And I talked about, I think last week, uh, this, uh, this tackle, and I was excited about, about him. So uh, let's hear it. Yeah. So like I was saying,
1: when I was going through my free agents, I want to be at, so at this point, I have Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, Tevin Jenkins at right guard center is a question. Maybe I have Lucas Patrick there. Maybe I draft a guy, but I have flexibility if I draft a guy to plug and play Um, and at right guard, I signed uh, – uh, what was his name? The guy from the 49ers, the, the 49ers starting right guard – or left guard. Uh, so he was a uh, okay, left guard. Like, you could get by with him. But really, I knew that I had bookend my, – my, my tackles figured out, kind of, like how much he trusts Braxton Jones is up for debate. But that's why I love Matt Bergeron here, because Matt Bergeron can play left tackle. He can play left guard. Uh-huh. He can play right guard. He can play right tackle. This idea that I keep coming back to this idea of, like, I look at what the Packers have done with their offensive line over the years with Elton Jenkins and uh, Yash Nijman and a handful of other guys, like Zach Tom, who were extremely versatile coming out of college, and that ended up giving them opportunities to play because you're going to have injuries, right? You're, you're Someone's going to go down, and you're going to need to fill a spot – but has the kid ever played there? I don't know. Matt Bergeron can fill in any of those four spots wherever you need him to. And if Braxton Jones is really struggling and taking like a sophomore slump, you got Matt Bergeron ready to step in at left tackle, and you can slide someone else in at, at the left guard spot then. So I love Matt Bergeron here. He's a feisty run blocker, really going to – and he has the movement traits to fit the Bears block, the Bears running scheme. Um, probably better as a pass protector inside, but there's nothing about him on tape that says it's not fixable at tackle. It's mostly hand placement, aim, and some inconsistencies in footwork, which when his footwork's right, it's outstanding. Like it's, it's pretty bipolar, but like there are moments on tape where I'm like, that is some impressive foot speed and just keeping his feet low to the ground, hitting his, hitting, uh, shorter paced steps but quickly and or i shouldn't say pace short like shorter length steps but really quick pace so he's never losing his base right he's always grounded which helps with balance helps with when you know these edge rushers with 35 inch long arms are getting into you're still grounded and you can anchor um he just needs to get more consistent with that better with his hand placement on the, when he's playing offensive tackle, but at guard, you don't even have to worry about those. Cause I think he'll be fine in phone booth.
0: Yeah. And at and this kind of a pick, right. Right. You know, round two pick 46, having that multiplicity and that flexibility is, is huge that you're, you have someone that you can flip it and out like that. Um, And he still has the, some upside traits to it too, right. It's not just like, Oh, we're just picking a guy just who's got, because of a total flyer. Like this is a guy that could, Potentially, like, start for you if you absolutely need him to. Yeah. So it's that's but excellent. But he's going to have to beat someone, but he can beat the guys I signed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely can. I'm back up. Round two, pick 54. I went with Will McDonald, the, the fourth. Uh great out, great Iowa man. State. Six foot four, 245. Uh Earlier this week, Matt Eberflew said he wants edge rushers who bend the corner, can get all of their parts pointed towards the quarterback great athleticism get off strength and will to fight back to the quarterback and length that describes will McDonald more like to a T Uh, he had five sacks, six quarterback hits and five tackles for loss and 24 tackles in 2022. He had double digit sacks in 2020 and 2021. So he did fall off a little bit, but the production was there previously and he's got all the tools in order that you would think he can continue to do that in the NFL as I said earlier, extremely long player who uses his leverage really well. I mean, you can see that in the picture that I have here. And again, if you want to see visuals, make sure you actually watch the lives, which usually are 5 p.m. on Thursdays if you're listening to the podcast version of this. Um, but he plays with in an incredibly high motor, uses the speed most often, but can, he can do a two-hand swipe, cross-chop to get to the edge. Doesn't quit on plays. I mean, he'll be the one that... Goes across the entire formation to, to tackle the, a running back. He'll be the one that's downfield and saves a touchdown as needed. Uh, he can add more mass for sure and strength as he's a bit weak at the point of attack. And I'd like to see a little more ability to change direction laterally as QB launch point changes. He gets tends to get stuck on a single lane for the most part. But And his runs even definitely needs to improve and increase his bag of pass rush moves. But, I mean, he's got, again, like, all of the pure, raw athleticism and talent and the motor that you would need that would fit perfectly, I think, in that Eberflus hit system. He showed out at the Senior Bowl. I didn't get to watch that live, but, um, you know, all the reports coming out of there was that he just he was able to show out. So,
1: at the Senior Bowl, I was on a soapbox shouting at anyone that would listen, like old man shouting at the clouds that Will McDonald is the best player here. Like, Flat out, I love this kid. I love everything about him. I just wish that he was a better fit for a four-three because at yeah. 230, 235 pounds, it's just I mean, he can be a situational edge rusher. And at this in this spot, at 54, I might be willing to take a situational edge rusher, right? Like a guy with his type of skill. Um, but if he he creeps up into the first round, it's you know, bears oh, be yeah. bears <laughs> don't stand a chance to take him. But Speaking to what you said about some of his his pass rush rep- repertoire, I mean, I think the biggest secret to Will McDonald is that, in my opinion, his pass rush moves are better than what's on tape. He's hidden on tape. Like you, you see him playing four technique, five technique in a three man down D line. That's not what he does. He's two hundred thirty five pounds. And he's, he's, he's lining up eye to eye with an offensive tackle who weighs potentially a hundred more pounds than him and asked to win. Like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but he still finds ways to win. And the reason I say, I think his pass rush repertoire is better than what's on tape is because at the senior bowl, he showed it. He finally had the opportunity to rush from a, a six tech, a nine tech, and really bend that edge and. In one-on-ones, I mean, they're one-on-ones. It's, it's stacked against the, the blockers, right, because they don't have help, and blocking is all about how the unit performs together, not one man. But he was going up against Darnell Wright, who I think has the best hands among of any offensive lineman in this class. And the way that they were doing it was two reps in a row, same two guys. So the first rep, Will Anderson, bends the edge, beats him around the top. Okay, beat him once. Can you do it again? So the next rep, he starts out looking like he's going to bend the edge again. Then ducks back inside on inside move, which Wright was ready for, and he stopped. And then a lightning fast spin move back to the outside. He's on the quarterback like that. Like I, I that's not stuff you learn overnight. I just think I think his opportunity at, at Iowa State was very limited because of what he needed to do for his team, which is something I love. Like thinking it through, like. This guy was asked to play in the pits and play against the run against 300 pounders, like on the interior, not on the edge, but on the interior, which is a nasty game to play. And he did it. And it might have hurt him, like as far as draft stock goes and all that. But he didn't care. He just wanted to play football. I love that about this guy.
0: And that's a such a great point because, I mean, doesn't that describe someone that an Iberfus would love? Like in a, in an interview at the Combine, if you got to talk to him, that you could see, you know, Will McDonald walks out of the room, e. Foos turns to Pauls and like, how do we get this guy? Um, yeah. And like you said, like, I couldn't justify him taking, I couldn't justify taking him any higher. But at this place with how bad the Bears pass rush was, just to be able to have a guy that you could develop and unleash on those third and longs a bit more. To me, it was was worth it, and then potentially see like can he add a little more mass? Can he develop into someone that could be on the field for you a bit more? Yeah. Now the question I get with that is uh and you
1: very likely know way more about this than I do, but if he could add more mass, wouldn't
0: don't you think he would have at Iowa State playing playing in the trenches where, where he was? So it's interesting because you'd be really surprised in terms of what uh these players have. At their disposal. I mean, we think about you know with these B one football programs. Obviously, like some of them are literally like you know the locker rooms you walk through, and it's like this is an NFL locker room that what you're using yeah. on a daily basis. But you know, a lot of times, you know, the balance of of being a student athlete still exists. I know there's definitely some who are <laughs> don't do less student than athlete, but some of the but it's that's still a big uh, balance you have to hit. Nutritional aspects. You know, some yes, some teams are uh, very regimented in terms of what they have, and then other ones are just kind of like hey go, go, what eat what you want in the mess hall kind of thing. And, you know, these guys are going and grabbing like a bunch of Pop-Tarts. Um, you have also just the age thing, right? You know, a lot of these guys, 19, 20, 21 year olds, their bodies just still aren't maximally where they can get to just because of where they are physiologically. Um, so when you combine all of that stuff together, you know, a good example in this, he's obviously an apparition, but like in terms of like how big he is, but like an Aaron Donald, I mean, like, yes, he's small when he came out for his position, but, and you look at him now I and mean, he is just a massive freak of nature at his stature and size that he has available to him. And that's because he was able to get in an NFL program that has the nutrition. He can focus pretty much only on his body, you know, full. And, you know, was able to fully mature. Um, And as a side note to that, even the NFL struggles uh, recently. There's that survey that went out from the NFL players association that talked and graded teams based on how, where things were, how good things were um, the bears specifically they're two of their lowest areas. One of them was nutrition. Um, and I remember I actually text, texted one of the guys and I was like, is this like really that bad? And uh, what, one of them came back and was like, dude, it's just like desserts. Like if you want to go grab, you have something healthy you can, but they're not like making us. So, if if that's happening at the NFL level, like I can, you can only imagine what's happening at the college level. Uh, so Dude, it'll that's... be some guys are just set. I mean, this is a slight sidebar, but I don't Bryce Young. He's not going to get too much bigger. He's he he is what yeah. he is. His frame is for the most part what he is. But you know, there's other guys when you look at like at his sh- Will McDonald's shoulder and frame. Like I can see another ten pounds can get out of there. And
1: so that that actually brings up something that I, I thought about at the senior bowls that someone mentioned to me, it was like, it doesn't matter that they're full of water at the combine because everyone's full of water. All the numbers that we've seen for the last 20 years are guys full of water. So that's what the comparison is too, right? It's not, the comparison isn't to what their normal weight was coming out of college; it's to what yeah. their max weight was when they're as heavy as they can try to be.
0: Yeah, exactly. All these numbers are are inflated. Whether you talk about the measurables or you talk about the numbers, because um, someone running a four four four, because who ran that today? Uh, Nolan Smith ran a four 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 today. Did he? I didn't That's- catch that. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy speed. But I mean, he's I not running a 444 four on the field though, right? So you'd always take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. All right, you're back up. Round two, pick 54. I mean, really? This was
1: Eberflus called me and said, You gotta get me my linebacker. <laughs> Jack Campbell standing <laughs> at six foot five out of Iowa. 250 pounds. I mean, that's that's an Eberflus linebacker, I think. Yeah, he seems like one. And I mean, after I made this pick, I kind of realized, well, I have Okereke and Sanborn, so like he might not really play a lot right away, but maybe he pushes Sanborn. Maybe he, you know, finds a way to get on the field, or maybe he's just injury depth and a, a sandbacker. But I just think he's great value here. I think he's a, he's a he's a rare frame for what we see in the NFL now. I mean, you, you go look at the testing numbers or the measurables for today. All these linebackers are 220 or 230 pounds. None of them are over really 6'2", maybe 6'3". Staying in 6'5", 250, Jack Campbell is is the the abnormality at this point. And I think he's an athlete. He's an instinctive player. And I think he's a guy who would fit right in, in this defense. I mean, I – Really, one of the benefits of going to go into this, the defense the Bears are running right now is how unpopular it is in the NFL. Like, how like this type of scheme, even just for running a 4 3, you know, everyone shifted to a 3 4. And you can look at what Bill Belichick's done over the years. Every time it shifts one way, he switches to the other because it's easier to find rare and elite players to fit the defense when the rest of the NFL doesn't want them. I think that's what Jack Campbell is.
0: I think that's a really valid point. And to, to get a guy like this now, let him chill. And, like, you see what happens with an Okariki. You see what happens with the Sanborn. Like, I'm excited what Sanborn's doing. Um, and, you know, Paul's mentioned this yesterday, the day before, uh, how he plays faster than he tests, which is great. But at the end of the day, I think there is a ceiling on what Jack Sanborn can be and can, he can – can he be an heir apparent, right? Can he be the one that steps up when in a year or two, you decide, you know what? We appreciate what you're doing for us, or Jack, but you know, Sam Bourne, but we can't, you know, we need a little more. And so I, I like this pick. I'm back up. Round two, pick 61. Admittedly, this might be my least favorite pick I've made in all three mocks. Uh, so I'm just going to put that out there now, but I went with, Dewan Jones, tackle out of Ohio State. He's six foot eight, 360 pounds. Remember that, because that's going to come up in a second again here. Uh, played football and basketball in high school. That size and length make him a mountain to get through. He had D1 offers in basketball. Oh, it's, and which is insane, right? That's that's wild. Uh, he uses his length to set the, the edge well. I mean, he's an absolute mauler in the run game. I mean, like, just swallows you whole and will bury you. Uh, Perfect temp block temperament where he's got aggression, tenacity, but he doesn't overset. He's not overly aggressive to leave the open lanes and shows some pretty functional strength. You need to hold off defenders. Kind of going back to our previous conversation about strength. There are some guys in this draft, some, some linemen where you're saying, have you been in the weight room? Like it's, they just can't hold their blocks. This is not a problem for him. Um, Pretty surprising movement skill for his size. Needs to work on his hip and knee bend. I mean, you're six foot eight; it's hard to, to bend the hip and the knee when you're that big. Um, and needs to work on redirecting his own weight. It's physics. You have there's a lot of mass to move. You really have to make sure you're on top of that. And he's pretty much only played right tackle, so you don't have a lot of versatility there. Uh, but you know, in theory, maybe if you're going to pick a tackle position right now, that's the most open. It would be right tackle. Um, obviously, Braxton Jones has been talked about highly. Speaking of Braxton Jones, six foot five, three hundred ten pounds. Zach Thomas, 6'5", 308 pounds. Uh, Carter, he's 6'3", 311. Doug Kramer, 6'2", 299. Riley Reif, uh, 6'3", 313. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, everyone's favorite lineman they wanted to play forever. 6'5", 312. He doesn't <laughs> – Dewan Jones doesn't fit the polls profile. Uh, polls even went as far as saying when, they, when he first got here, we're going to change it up a little bit in terms of style – uh, so a lot of these guys and the message has been pretty clear. We've got to change body types a little bit. We've got to get lighter. We've got to get quicker. That's why I'm not super happy with the pick I made here. It was one of those things where I'm sitting. I need a tackle. I felt I really need a tackle. I saw a guy that's just really good and valuable and I went with it. But afterwards, I was like, eh, I probably should have gone a different route. But you know what? I already submitted the trade card, so I can't go back now. Juan Castillo is somewhere right now shouting about how Dewan
1: Jones needs to be picked number one overall. Like, <laughs> this is his kind of guy. And I, I love Dewan Jones. And I think I I've had a lot of conversations with uh, with Robert Schmitz about this: of like the math's just different when your arms are as long as his are. He has like a seven foot four, seven foot six wingspan. And it's it's not one of those wingspans where it's all it's all chest. It's his arms are just freakishly long, and that changes the math on on every angle on everything. When you're as strong in your upper body as he is, like you see him throwing guys up to the ground with one hand, like he is just an absolute monster. Um, so if you're sitting here saying. Bears are going all in on Justin Fields as a passer. We need to protect him. I think Dewan Jones is an outstanding pick. If you're going to ask him to be the, the point man on your right side for your wide zone running scheme, that changes a little. But yeah. as far as a pass protector goes, he's just different because of that length that he provides. And you can look at, like, I think Orlando Brown Jr. is probably the best example of this. He's, runs runs a west coast offense is based on wide uh, on outside zone running concepts right he does well enough in the run game to get by but where he makes his money is protecting pat mahomes with that ridiculous length he has he's slow he's he can't recover but you know what that length plays
0: and that was that was my only hope going back when you know I'm walking I'm back in the draft room and I'm sitting there and I'm you know luke gets he's looking at me like why did you do that i'm like because he's gonna protect justin that that's yeah that's what i'm ultimately gonna get back to all right you are back up round three pick 64 another man in red yeah
1: zach harrison ed rusher of ohio state um i don't think he well, at 64, he might be there. I think he's probably going mid, mid to late second round, but this 64 is right on the on the edge of that. Um, I think he's just an outstanding football player. Like there are questions about his motor. He was one of the top recruits in the country coming out of high school. Six foot six, good length, or six foot five, maybe something around there. Good length, um, explosive straight line athlete. Not really going to do a ton laterally. I mean, he can do enough to get by, but as far as lateral mover goes, he's not the most impressive guy. But you're asking him to play 4-3 base end, hold up against the run, which he's, again, good enough at. He has enough power to do that, but he's not going to dominate there either. But where I really fall in love with this guy's tape is in the fourth quarter. I think he has a lot of, for most of the game, He has a lot of contained responsibilities. I think it's either some people say that his motor is questionable, and I'm not sure it's the case, and I could very well be wrong there, but I think it's more that he has a lot of contained responsibilities, a lot of checks to take care of before he's free to go rush the passer, so he looks more passive while doing it. But in the fourth quarter, he was Ohio State's closer. When he was told, just go get the quarterback. That's all we want you to do. He did it. He finished games. He forced turnovers. He even forced touchdowns on defense. Like there were there were moments on his tape where you're just going, "This guy's ridiculous."
0: Late in the game. Unfortunately, today he didn't test. A hamstring issue held him back. Uh, He should be good to go for the pro day. Uh, At least that's what the reports were. Um, And there's plenty of time for that too uh, between here now and and Ohio State's pro day. So they'll that'll heal up totally fine. Um, but yeah, just a guy that that has his his speed off the edge, a guy that has as much responsibility as he was given at, on that defense and what he was able to create. I mean, that's quintessential what what you want from a guy at again round three pick sixty four. Yeah,
1: and I, I have a few more notes on him that just dawned on me that I wrote down months ago. But psychology major, team captain. So like not a not not a throwaway major. Just see it through college. Like psychology major is actually pretty difficult. Team captain, love to see that. Um, He's recognized at Ohio State for an academic achievement. I don't think it was all Big Ten academic, but there was some academic like honor roll that he was part of. Um, And in high school, he was named the All-American Bowl Man of the Year for excellence in community service and athletic distinction. Like there's a lot about this guy that screams to me, it's not a motor issue.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't agree more with that. It, there's there's other stuff going on there. I'm back up round three pick 64 and I went pretty much as far on the other side of the spectrum of type of player between these two picks. Uh, Nathaniel Dell wide here out of Houston. 510 um, 163 pounds and I think that's if he's soaking wet and you know has a couple extra coins in his pants. But when you talk about production, Dell is the definition of production. He led the nation over the past two years with over 2,700 yards and 29 touchdowns. In 2022, he had 109 of those receptions for 1,398 yards and 17 touchdowns. Goes by Tank, which I mean, scouting report should just end there at that point. But showed out at the same nickname for his size. I know, right? I love it so much. Oh no, going too far. Um, I love it so much. (laughs) Um, showed out the Senior Bowl. I'm sure you're going to be able to speak to that. But was able to get uh, open over and over again. Made some pretty awesome contested catches. Accelerates just so quickly. Uh, made a great straight line speed. Adjusts well to off target throws. Uh, routes are precise with ability to stop and cut on a dime. Really active feet and keeps his eyes up to dodge traffic easily. And is, which is lets him get a lot of yards after the catch. Will also be able to operate as a return man, which Bears yeah definitely need that they're all over the place biggest issue is size as i said he can run across the middle but can he take a hit from a waiting linebacker multiple times a game short arms create a smaller pass radius and he'll be coming into the nfl from a pretty wide open offense in which dell ran a relatively limited route tree and he'll fight on the outside but the size ultimately prevents him from winning contested catches against you know those middle to larger cornerbacks but again, if you're looking for production, you're looking for something that's going to get open and that could be a safety blanket uh, underneath and across the middle, uh, Tank Dell is your guy.
1: So I actually I can't speak too much on the senior bowl with him just because I was very focused on the trenches the whole time I was there. Um, I know that he was dominating one on ones a little bit that I did see of him. But again, one on ones are built for the offense to win. The corner can't exactly press him too hard without just getting destroyed at least one rep because he doesn't have any help. Um, So I'm, I have concerns about his size. I think everyone does, but if it's just a, I mean, it's a third round pick at this point, you're trying to trying to make an upside bet. I, I can respect it.
0: Yeah. And really couldn't be any different than the last year's third round pick where you're going for just speed and a, bigger receiver and gadgety to a guy who, I mean, he just straight up plays receiver. Well, it's just, he does it finally. I just made up that word, yeah. but it fits. <laughs> Round three, pick 79. This is a,
1: this is more a senior bowl pick and a, uh, a trust fall to Robert Schmidt's opinion because he, I spent the week on the trenches he spent the week on receivers and defensive backs, and he came away raving about Michael Wilson and about the ability that this guy showed all week. And that injuries must have really just been the reason why he hasn't produced like he should. Because he just he looks like a dude out on the field at, at the Senior Bowl. He looked like a dude out on the field, and there's just really me trusting his opinion. Because, like I said at the start of the show, I am. Uh, I am woefully underprepared on receivers and defensive backs.
0: When you get to these later picks too, I mean, you try to do as much homework as you can on them, but like you're going to start saying people like when I was looking at your list, I'm like, I have no idea who this is. seems like a great dude. I'm sure. I'm sure like, you know, has a great family life, but you know what? I know nothing about you from a football perspective. And at some point it's still just so early in the process. I mean, we said that multiple times in this. So now we get to a cool part of the show. Where I get to announce that Windy City Gridiron and Bare Bones are going to present Draft on Draft. Uh, We're going to be doing a live draft party from Noon Whistle Brewing Company. Uh, It is in Lombard, Illinois. Uh, I'm really excited about this. Um, It'll be an opportunity for, I know myself and at least Danny are going. uh, Maybe a couple other individuals from Windy City Gridiron are going to be able to pop out there and be a part of this. Um, it's we're gonna react live. Uh, Robert Schmitz is gonna be handling most of the host duties uh, offsite. Gonna bring us in at times. We're hoping to have uh, diff- some of the fans, some of the listeners who are there, who come to this, uh, maybe pop on, give some perspective on you know picks that are made. Maybe the Bears will make two picks in the first round. Who knows? Like, depending on how some certain trades go. Um, and also, we want to do some giveaways. Um, I know there's a couple of things that I'm gonna, I specifically are for sure gonna be happening. a couple of maybes that i'm i'm working on right now so um you only get those giveaways though if you come if you are there and you know uh and you're you're hanging out with us we're gonna get there as you can see here on the screen um if you're not if you're you're listening um it's gonna be that thursday the first night of the draft 6 p.m the draft starts at 7 so we want to meet you guys we want to talk we want to see your perspective on what's gonna be happening coming up um and then like i said you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna give away some stuff away and try to get you all involved as much as possible so as we get more details, um, we'll get that out to you. But yeah, Noon Whistle Brewing Company, Lombard, Illinois. Draft on draft. Sounds fun.
1: Yeah, if only you were here, you could you can come too. Yeah, if I didn't live in Texas,
0: I'd be there. Be there right away. <laughs> uh, I am back up with one of my favorite just got players. Uh, one of my favorite football players, and that is. Travis Hodges Tomlinson, a cornerback at a TCU, 5'8", 175, nephew of LeDamian Tomlinson. Uh, he, in 2023, yeah. he mainly played outside. You know, I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but due to his size, he might be a little bit more of a, a, a nickel or moving inside. But, you know, he had 47 tackles, three assists, seven pass breakups, three interceptions, including two pick sixes in 2022. And he had a quarterback rating of 38.9 when he was targeted. Very experienced with over 2,500 snaps at TCU. He played outside. He played slide. He played in the box. Pretty solid tackler who confidently wraps up despite his size limitations. High-level anticipation skills with the ability to explode downhill. Super explosive player. I mean, it's been documented that he has 42-inch uh, uh, vertical jump, broad jump 10-foot-8, 10, 10 4 uh, Also back squat at 6.05. I expect a lot of those numbers to be reproduced uh, here when the combine kicks off uh, for cornerbacks high football IQ that can really help in zone flips his hips. Well runs with top end speed wide receivers, but he is small uh, two picks in a row where apparently I'm just leaning on the small guy, but uh, wasn't invited to the senior bowl likely because of this what uh, has shorter arms as well, which reduces his pass breakup radius, but due to his explosion and his ability to close, he's able to to hide this radius issue. He can get a little grabby in coverage sometimes uh, and he, can he ultimately make the tackle against the tight ends running backs when he needs to step up and do so? Uh, even though he is a willing tackler, he did have too many missed tackles, unfortunately, but he can contribute immediately. I mean, as someone that maybe you do get in round four because teams are overlooking him because of his size, he's someone that can beat out your starter depending on, on who that is. And just because of, he's a football player and I, just, I love him and I just respect the hell out of him, And I think he's going to be productive if someone takes a, a chance on
1: I love an NFL bloodline pick absolutely God knows what it takes to to be there to stay there and he's probably seen it firsthand um I do wonder and this is pure speculation I know I'm not not great with defensive back play it's just pretty foreign to me uh growing up more around offensive line but um I wonder how short arms like I almost feel like in the nickel, you can live with short arms for coverage, because everything is such close quarters early on, and lot, a lot of it is really just sticking with your guy more than mm-hmm. like having to having to recover deep. But as a run defender, which I think the Bears care a lot about out of their nickel, because they take that linebacker off the field for it, and you know run a lighter front. I wonder how how much they care about shorter
0: arms because of. The ability to uh, to shed blocks. That's a really good point. I was, I definitely, I was hesitant to pick him, and I, but I, I, knew I wanted to, and I pushed this off three mocks because of his size. But again, I just love him, so I need to get him on here. And yeah, looking with the Bears, fourth round, sign me up. And and looking at a guy like what the Bears have, right? Assuming Jalen Johnson gets an extension, which I, I expect him to at this point. Assuming you know you have Gordon and. I want him to be on on the slot. I think he just kind of played better there when I saw him last year. But so I wanted an oh, really? outside corner, but but like it just didn't happen and it didn't fall that way. And so you know, can I live with maybe having Gordon on the outside and and having um, Tomlinson here on the inside? I think so. Um, so, but like you yeah, I said. I yeah. I
1: haven't dove into the numbers on Gordon, but I thought that he performed like he, he kind of hit a hot streak when he stopped playing nickel. But that was my thought, at least
0: I, 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 I can't back it up. No, I agree with that. I think I think it was my leaning towards was that they let him focus on a position versus it specifically being outside versus nickel. But that can be entirely true. I mean, I just thought like in the glimpses when I saw him doing both that I saw more more better play out of that nickel position but um yeah he definitely was more solid when they stopped messing around with it so um if they see him ultimately as outside then my pick is perfect and i don't need to change it (laughs) round four pick 103 carl brooks
1: out of bowling green a very interesting player um he actually he did not get a combine invite which is a huge bummer because probably one of the freakier athletes you'll see. Um, I think he's like six foot four, maybe six five, but he's 300 pounds, like a, a real 300 pounds, an extremely explosive, um, extremely impressive lateral mover for being 300 pounds. I mean, he played edge at Bowling Green. He wasn't an interior D lineman. He played a little bit on the interior, but really he, he, his success came at edge. Um, so this is just an upside pick. And I'm not sure – like, I probably need to move him to three tech within this. And I think being behind Jalen Carter and uh, and Zach Allen is a good thing for him to help him just be a rotational guy because the game that I watched him playing inside against Mississippi State – so I, I tried to watch a game where he was up against higher-level competition than what Bowling Green typically plays in the Mac. Um the explosion wasn't the same. It was almost like he needed that speed to power to win. It felt like when he was on the edge, he needed those the, those carry steps into the into the block, and he just it was it was very uh, un, unfamiliar to him to win early with his hands and with his explosiveness. So I think there's a lot to learn here for him to play inside. But in the fourth round, with his athletic traits, and as a as a backup who I'm not counting on initially right away, I think. I think the upside's enough to say I'll take him at one hundred and three. That's a that's an easy one for me.
0: We saw how a team in in the Eagles, when you have that many pieces that you can just rotate on the defensive line, and not just at the edge, but also you know within the trenches, is so important. And you can build on that, especially a team and a defense like what Eberflus wants to use here. And so I, I like I like this. I love this. Get as many potential upside pieces as you can here. Uh, again, take the Eagles. Jordan Davis was a rotational player, and we know how explosive he can be and where he was picked. Um, but that was because of how much talent and how much stuff the Eagles had. So the Bears need to start cultivating that, and this is how you do it. Yeah, that's it.
1: The Eagles were exactly kind of what I had in mind putting this together. Was try like Milton Williams, I think, is a great comparison here. Super explosive athlete, probably was like 290, I think, coming out. And he hasn't he hasn't blown up into an incredible player, but he's a quality piece in their in their D line rotation who can doesn't have to be more than that. If he grows into it, great. He doesn't have the pressure on him to be it right away. But if he's not, he's still in better than most backups, and you can you can rotate him in when you need to. Absolutely. Oh, you're up again, round four, pick one oh seven. Now this one I'm a lot more excited about after today, because um, I liked Zach Pickens a lot already, but he, he put on a show today at the combine. He moved. Um, top five prospect coming or recruit coming out of high school, South Carolina was very very excited to get him committed, um, but he the role that he was asked to play there doesn't really fit his skill set. Like so, he's been a considered a disappointment to some uh, some Gamecock fans, but really, I I think that he he was asked to, to play more of a gap control style of football or role, I guess I would say, and when you got a guy three hundred pounds this explosive, it, you want him to be penetrating upfield, and that's not what he was really asked to do there. He was asked to hold ground in gaps, which in the SEC probably makes some sense, but. In the NFL, I think he is an outstanding fit for what the Bears want out of there out of a three tech, and again, it just builds this rotation, this D line rotation, into a deep monster of a unit to have four guys now between Jalen Carter, Zach Pickens, um, Carl Brooks, and Zach Allen who can just
0: keep each other fresh. Yeah, he's a guy that always was just showing up in my mocks, didn't know a lot about him, did a little research on him, and then I saw him run today. And already in my brain, I was like, okay, so maybe in my next one, I'm going to be getting Zach Pickens in here because like he just he moved just really, really well. Um, And I and just can be, I think, a part of a very dominant defensive line as a developmental and as a rotational piece. Yeah, he is a awesome athlete, like so flexible, so
1: smooth, like and explosive at the same time. There's just a lot to like with him.
0: Round four, pick 134. Uh, I finally go get a running back. Um, similar to how Q did it, I definitely tried to mentally think about where I might be free agency-wise. Um, in my brain, I signed Saquon Barkley. I have Herbert. And then I went and got a power back that can spell and, and do some of the dirty work. Um, uh, he Running back out of UAB, 5'11", 215 pounds. Uh, This is my first HBCU prospect I took in a mock, and I should have had one sooner, and it won't be my last. Uh, Played 11 games in 2022, rushed for 1,366 yards on 204 carries for 6.7 yards per carry, 13 touchdowns, and four fumbles. Those fumbles are going to come back up in a second. In the passing game, though, he just had three receptions for 19 yards. So, leaves a lot to be desired as a pass catcher. Power, instincts, and balance is pretty much the calling cards for, for McBride. Runs with patience and presses the line of scrimmage, lets the block develop. Top-end vision allows him to find gaps and cutback lanes. Good burst in short areas, rarely goes down via the first tackle. And a pretty violent runner. He may end up on a handful of angry runs as on YouTube clips and things of that nature. He is not the fastest back and does not have breakaway speed. He's not going to be a home run hitter struggles with some of the lateral agility and ability to accelerate quickly and as mentioned before he really doesn't add much as a receiving as a receiving threat out of the backfield and as i said before fumbles have been an issue you know he's had 11 in the last two seasons four in 2022 i look at him as kind of a, pow- a power back tyler algier change of pace you have so in my scenario i have saquon barkley who is your explosive back you have herbert who's got explosion uh and then you have the power with a Dwayne mcbride uh he, is he going to be your long-term answer if, you know, if and when potentially you move on from a Saquon Barkley down the road or or the case may be? No, but you know, we're in the fourth round here. We just need, we need players that fill certain roles and and he's going to fill his well.
1: Yeah. I like it. I don't know much about McBride, but it makes sense to me. My my main question would be, does he play special teams too? Which I imagine a power back probably has some experience on special teams though.
0: That's the thing. I don't know. Um, but just with how he, yeah, with, with being more of a power back and how he uh, doesn't shy away from contact, all that, like I can't see why he wouldn't be able to play special teams. And um, at this point, he has to be more helpful on special teams than Treston Evner. He's yeah. done nothing. Yeah.
1: Well, I think I remember Benny Cunningham. They used, he was always on uh, kick uh, kick return units as just a blocker. And like I feel, I feel like the third string running back gets overlooked as a uh, as you know really, really you want you want a four core
0: special teamer there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because you're not going to be getting a bulk of the carries again in this fake scenario I made. I mean, if you're handing the ball off, it's going to Saquon Barkley. If you're not handing it to Saquon, mm-hmm. it's going to Khalil Herbert. So maybe yeah. McBride gets one two carries. You better be able to do special teams. Round four pick 134 on your side
1: now i wish that i had thought of that special teams question while i was doing my draft so i could have an answer on Kendra miller but i don't (laughs) (laughs) explosive runner twitchy quick i mean that's that's about the extent of what i know about him uh there are he's one of maybe two or three running backs that kept coming up around this pick and kept saying like yeah, I just, I wanted to add more of a gadgety runner, I guess. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but like if you have, you have t- uh, Tony Pollard in mind, you, you could replace that with Saquon Barkley too. Either one would be fine and around a similar price range, I think. But see, so you have your, basically you, you have your lead back, right? And then you have Khalil Herbert, who's more like a one cut and gone kind of back. He's, he's not going to like, constantly be juking you out of your pants, but it's like he hits the hole and he's gone. It's that simple with him. So I wanted to get a guy who could be more of a, a pass catcher, pass protector for insurance for my lead back and Pollard, if he gets hurt, because I really think Herbert, what he does in the passing game can really limit your offense at times. So I, I didn't want to be limited by that. If the lead back gets hurt. So I wanted to get a guy who could catch the ball, Make some moves and really just help his quarterback, and that's what that's why I targeted Kendra Miller. Now, if you're gonna sit there and tell me that's not what Kendra Miller does, I'll probably believe you. But that's what I thought he did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was led to believe he did. Yeah. Round five, pick one thirty-seven. I took a linebacker out of Tulane, Dorian Williams, six foot one, two hundred twenty-eight pounds. Uh, I didn't know his game was as strong as it is. I actually, when I started really diving in, I loved Dorian Williams now. Uh, 13 (laughs) games and logs, uh, 772 snaps, 85 tackles, 31 assists in in 2022. In coverage, he had three pass breakups, two interceptions. As a pass rusher, 22 pressures, nine quarterback hurries, seven QB hits, hits, and six sacks. Bears need this considering their leading sack was a safety not good. Um, and his production is key here. I mean, he just produces, he's all over the place. He has a size and frame to be an every down linebacker, great length can close distances when searching to cut off routes and flow outside the tackles. But sometimes he can take some poor angles, but I think that can be coached up high motor player who can find cracks and blocking reliable tackler across his 700 reps can contribute on special teams. That one. I do know he, he was, did the special teams over at Tulane, Um, a little slow on his read and react and not exactly the most instinctive back, but I think that can be coached up as well. So again, this is going to be your third, your fourth linebacker, who's mainly going to help on special teams, but has a little bit of upside so that if somebody gets hurt, if he needs to step in, you got Jack Sanborn being your instinctive, just always knows where to be at the right time. And then you have Dorian Williams, who is just a tackle machine, who in theory with this revamped, hopefully defensive line, up can actually get up, get in there and clean up uh, what, what they leave behind.
1: Green Wave's been good to the Bears historically, so I'm all, I'm all for picking some Green Wave guys late in the draft.
0: Just got to get that, that Green Wave pipeline, right? <laughs> Round five, pick 150, cue's up. Alex Forsyth,
1: center out of Oregon. I man, i I am a lot higher on this guy than a lot of what I've seen out there. And it's probably because he's going to be 25 years old as a rookie. But in the fifth round, I don't care about that. You know, I mean, I I just want to get a really good football player. And that's what I think he is. Yeah. Um, and I, I mentioned earlier having maybe I pick a center and he battles with Lucas Patrick for the spot reason I didn't sign a center because I really like some of the guys in this class who are going to be available in the fourth, fifth round, supposedly, but there's so many centers in this class that I really think it's a strong class that at the position that you're going to be able to get a guy who can either sit behind Patrick or overtake him because I think the bears have, you know, they told Lucas Patrick, he's their starting center when they signed him last year was kind of a crap shoot. I think they're gonna give him another chance. That doesn't mean you don't bring in competition in the draft when it's a deep class. And if he doesn't, if the kid beats him out, the kid beats him out. Like, I think it's that simple. I think you can sit there with a straight face and tell a player you signed and told he's a starter somewhere. The kid beat you out. And so Forsyth, the thing that really sells me on him, turn on his, his tape against Georgia from week one. It's as simple as that. He, he performed well against that, that disgusting Georgia front he won most of his reps in that game the rest of the team didn't but he did he looked very good just all around I really there were really no holes in his game that I could find uh, outside of him being 25 I mean in in that game at least I should say there were no holes I could find Um, probably not the most mobile guy but he's mobile enough to fit the scheme Solid pass protect just brings brings some really good power to his reps and is a tone setter at center. I mean he he is not afraid to get down and dirty with the guy with with his opponents in the trenches and he's confident that he's going to win.
0: If you're able to not just hold your own but do well against that Georgia front, which is just absolutely insane, uh, you you deserve your flowers. And uh, something else I think Bears fans need to keep in mind when it comes to like a Lucas Patrick, right. You know, you, you don't, we aren't in the room. We didn't, you know, we don't know the guy, we didn't shake his hand kind of thing. And these, these coaches, these GMs, these players get are more attached to each other than, than we give credit to. And they know what's going on behind the scenes, right. They may say, Hey, Lucas just got a bad rap, couple of those injuries. I mean, but he is a center. He's a solid guy um and, and a solid player and that's what they truly believe and that's going to shape their off season and what they're going to do moving forward do we potentially as a bearish fans be like oh lucas patrick sucks and then we had to deal with sam mustapher and we need a center and we need to draft him in the second round like yeah that makes sense coming from our end but uh that just may not be how this team's operating so yeah. but you still need to bring in competition as q said and and having a guy that's as solid as as alex Forsyth seems to be is a, is a solid choice
1: yeah I think on the Patrick front, like he wasn't, he wasn't, he was signed to be a guy who might be a little undersized, but could set a tone and know the offense for you at the center position. He was not signed to be a guy who could cover for another, an undersized center next to him while playing guard. I think that that's an important distinction.
0: Yeah, that is, that's a very good point to bring up. Round five, pick 150. Uh, I went back in the, the trenches, and I went with Juice Scruggs, also center out of Penn State. Uh, six foot three, 308 pounds. Um, he's played a little while. 2021, he had 926 snaps. In 2022, 836. We saw some improvement from 21 to 22. Uh, in 2022, he allowed 10 quarterback hurries, three quarterback hits, and one sack while playing at center. Gets off the snap quickly and generates movement at the point of attack. Pretty consistently finishes his blocks. He doesn't have the highest ceiling, but he could be a quality starter for years in a man or his own scheme. Uses his hands well and shows good coordination between upper and lower halves and does need to add some strength to generate more push against NFL uh, defensive linemen. Again, solid, but not elite in anything. The combine, how he moves, I think is going to be really big for him to climb up some draft boards. He's just going to be a guy that you can just plug in and be pretty happy with, I think. I mean, again, he's not going to reset the center market. He's not gonna be a top five center, but he's gonna I think he'd be a he's he be a top twenty center, um if, if you need him to be. Um he could be a top fifteen center if you need him to be. Uh we'll just kind of depends on how his development goes.
1: Yeah, I uh I, he's actually a guy who I have not watched yet, but is on my list to watch. He's got an all time great name though. Oh I mean he that's he honestly the reason I
0: I drafted him was the name.
1: Yeah, Juice Scruggs is who I want snapping a football. Like That's a great name. I'm curious what Hess Strong is. You can see on, I, on his tattoo on his arm right there, it says Hess Strong. I just, I just looked up a picture to make sure that's what it says.
0: But I'm curious what that means. <laughs> a little research for an article for you. Look at that. Yeah, there you go. I got to learn. Got to figure it out. Round six, we're winding down here. Pick 187.
1: So, Will Mallory, tight end out of Miami, Florida. Um, I just think this guy's a good football player. I don't think he has any dominant trait. I think that he's he's pretty, pretty quick in and out of his, his route breaks, like quicker than you expect him to be. And when I turn on the tape, I see a guy who is asked to do more as a blocker in this offense than anyone who I've really watched that produces at the level that he does as a receiver. So there's a lot that I really like about his game. I need to, I need to find more good tape on him because I've had a hard time finding it. Um, And I know that a lot of, a lot of analysts aren't as big on him as I am, but I haven't found a reason not to be yet. Um, I just, I think, uh, I think I heard that some Miami fans have been disappointed in his production as well. But everything I've seen just points to a guy who's a really good football player who's asked to do a lot within that offense and guy who's consistently doing his job and has some
0: athletic upside. Cole Komet is, is getting an extension, right? Uh, And it's tough to, do you justify in today's NFL extending a Cole Komet and then using a high draft pick going out and signing a, uh, an individual like why am I blank on name right now? Who's a tight end out of Miami? Who's who's a free agent? Oh, Gusecki. Thank you, Gusecki. That's I don't you're not doing that. So you need to make decisions that are on the the on, you know, see bottom edge. It's dis dissing Will Mallory like that, but you need a round six pick with with some potential upside. Uh, that's where you need to make some hay at tight end. You sign another guy that you know is going to be a blocking tight end that's that's solid, and you see how they develop.
1: And this is also uh, similar to. Like I said, with center and offensive line in general, it's a very deep tight end class. There is a lot of guys to like, which means that there's a lot that's going to get overlooked. And I think you're going to be able to find like someone in this draft will find a diamond in the rough at tight end.
0: And it happens a lot of years, right? I mean, it's the obvious one, but look at a George Kittle. I mean, he slipped through the cracks for some reason, and and he is now George Kittle. You look at that Travis Kelsey; he has off the field stuff, but those guys happen a lot and frequently, more than yeah. you think. My final pick, round seven, pick two twenty. I just stay on the offensive line. Uh, I just I want more development here. I want a situation where you know your tackle goes down, and you have someone else that you can bring in. Uh, we saw that real a lot with the the Bears this last year, and actually in previous years before that, it's been a, a rotating cast of guys. So um, I want to take multiple swings. Trevor Reed, tackle, Louisville, six foot five, three hundred seven pounds. This tackle fits the Ryan Poles mold a little bit more. Uh, 2022 played 590 snaps across 11 games. He allowed eight quarterback hurries, two QB hits, and three sacks. He's got really good foot quickness and length for his size. Actually, consistently gets up to second level defenders. Louisville had some. Has good athleticism. Sorry, he has good athleticism for his size, which allowed Louisville to use uh, him on screens as, as the league blocker. Often beats defenders to the spot in his pass sets. He's only a one year starter and looks best to be in a, a zone blocking scheme. Needs to improve his upper body strength. Uh, he tends to cover up defenders instead of sustaining blocks and varying guys. And if he can improve that upper body strength, that should help with that. More of a waist bender. With some feet that need a little, gets a little tight up. And he too often ends up reaching and lunging when going against some quicker defenders. That lack of body strength does appear in his pass protection too. Uh, Reed can use his athleticism to beat defenders to a spot. He hasn't really shown consistently the strength in his hands to sustain blocks and anchor on defenders. But, you know, I'm just for a guy that just has some of the quickness and athleticism he has, I'll take a little bit of that gamble upside to see if we can clean up some of that technique, get him in the weight room and, and lock down that tackle spot.
1: Yeah. I haven't watched Trevor Reed yet either, but um looks like he's got some solid length based on this picture, which is something that I think Ryan Poles definitely values.
0: That's what it is. Traits, traits, traits. Round seven, pick 220, your final pick of the draft. Yeah,
1: just, I mean, I might be going too much on D-line at this point, but, I mean, seventh-round pick, guy might just be on the stuck on the practice squad till someone gets hurt. But I think Nesta Jade Silvera is a guy who's going to make an NFL roster. And, I mean, if I'm sitting here in the round seven and saying he's still on the board, I might take him. I think I think he's an he's a easy pick here. He had a he had a really impressive senior bowl. Um, he's an interesting prospect. He's a little more squatty in his stature uh, than, than you see with a lot of these these defensive tackles. He's like 6'1", about a little over three hundred pounds, like three hundred ten maybe. Um, but he's got some impressive quickness, and he wasn't a full time player at Arizona State. He was actually a transfer from, I believe, Miami, Florida, um, where he started his college career, but. When he came in on the Arizona State defense, I just I felt like their defense just got better. As simple as that. An in, in interior rusher. I mean, I and I I, this I is don't, one of those
0: guys. What was that? No, I was just you, you cut off for a second, so I thought you were done talking. Go ahead and keep going. Oh, okay. Uh yeah, sorry about that. Um so he just I'm not sure if
1: you could really Put him into being a nose tackle versus a three tech. I think he's just somewhere in between, and you live with that, you know. Which probably means he's playing nose, but can when the offense brings motion across the line of scrimmage, he becomes a three tech. It's as you know, when offense is motion, it changes what the defense has aligned. That's football. But
0: I just I think he's just a solid athlete and great value in the seventh round this was another uh, nominee for definitely like an all name team. I love the name. Um, and I had no idea who he was. And then I was watching the combine and D line was doing their drills. And I was like, you drafted that guy. All right, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay attention. <laughs> and uh, they were doing the, I, I forgot the official name of it, but you know, one of the uh, ball and a pole drills where they're going around the edge, slapping the bags, yeah. almost decapitating the, the bag holders and, you know, trying and finishing through and i uh, Dear Lord, he was like bending that bag in half. I think he concussed one of the guys holding the bags just with the power he had. So, you know, that was for a round seven guy who, like you said, probably mainly on practice squad, but that just has that kind of a raw power that can be a part of that rotation if someone goes down. Yeah, go for it. So these are uh, the drafts that we had. I'll, I'll read through them real quick for those in the podcast who are listening, since you cannot see this. Um, but we got Quinton John. I have Quinton Johnson, Matt M- M- Mazzy Smith, Will McDonald, Dewan Jones, Nathaniel Dell, Travis Hodges, Tomlinson, Dwayne McBride off my screen. Dorian Williams, Juice Scruggs, Trevor Reed. Quinn ended up with two trade downs, which again was illegal, but we're allowing it. It's yeah, fine for this. Broke track. the rules. Uh, he traded with the Colts and uh, the Patriots later, but he got Jalen Carter, Matthew Ber- uh, Bergeron, Jack Campbell, Zach Harrison, Michael Wilson, Carl Brooks, Zach Pickens, Kendra Miller, Alex Forsyth, Will Mallory, Nesta Jade Silvera. Uh, overall, two pretty solid drafts. I think covers the bases. PFF likes my draft a little bit more, but, I mean. I think I did the impossible because I, I think this was the only draft that I didn't get
1: an A-plus after trading number <laughs> one overall. Um mostly because I took Zach Harrison too early and Michael Wilson too early, yeah. where I think they're actually going to go. Um, so I think that's kind of – I was trying trying to
0: use my board more than their board. And I think that's the way to go. I mean, are there – look at look at last year. Like Tyquan Thornton, right, went when, went when he did. Zach Tom went when he did. I mean, all these guys are, are going – there's multiple guys that are going to go where – a PFF board or a PFN board or whoever, like that's way too early. Why are you doing it? Teams fall in love with guys. Teams hate other guys. Uh, things pop up in the process. So to to go off of only this is silly. But um, one thing I did also want to highlight you were talking about, um you have this amazing and you the stuff you put out by the way on twitter and if you're not following you, you absolutely have to it's one of those things where half of the data he puts out hurts my brain but then if i sit there long enough i can parse <laughs> through it but it's there's so much beautiful in-depth stuff like one of the things you posted today that i retweeted uh which one was that with oh yeah it was like uh, how um the, the sack uh rates and how they correlated with some of the um the numbers that were being put out in the combine and how yeah. There, that was pretty predictable actually. Like, and it was awesome. So like, you know, for everyone that calls us the underwear Olympics, like there, there's validity to that. So he's got amazing stuff. You have to follow him. One of the things he has is this Excel off season where you can go through, make cuts, make trades, go through free agency, all that jazz. And this is what his turned out to be. So let me just talk about this a little bit. Cause I, I think this is amazing and I, I love that. <laughs> I love that this exists. Yeah. Th- thanks for, uh, thanks for pushing it. Um, So yeah, just,
1: I built this thing when I was trying to get an idea last off season for, just for myself of like, what could the bears do and like trying to think through the possibilities of like what they could do because they, they seem so handcuffed. And as I was building, I was like, you know, it'd be pretty easy to just throw this together and put it out there. So I did it. And <laughs> I had already done all the legwork to make it for myself. And I was like, well, sure. I'll just put it out there see what happens. Um, And yeah, it's, I mean, this thing wouldn't be possible without the work of PFF Brad and his, uh, his contract projections that he puts out there, because I get the, uh, the first year AAV or uh, the first year cap hits of the most important free agents. in this, I calculate them straight from what Brad puts out. So Brad puts out great work and I, I, I love the fact that his work exists so I can use it in other ways. Um, And yeah, it's just drop down boxes and V lookups and a bunch of database stuff in an Excel sheet. It's, it's
0: great. It's, it takes, it, it looks like it's rough at first in terms of like, Oh my God, there's a lot to do here. But for one, that's nice because that's what the bears have to do. Um, I definitely, when I ran through this, wanted to make sure I tried to do it as similar to how they would. So, you know, I went through the order really, uh, you do free agency first, obviously. Um, uh, but like, I know a couple of people are like, Oh wait, shoot, shoot. I like, I messed up. I should have cut someone earlier. I'm going to cut them now. So I have money It's was like, you know, do this trade. I was like, you can't do that. Just keep it, keep it clean. Try to, try to be channel your inner Ryan yeah. Bowles, right. Don't go back. But that and- was actually, that was part of my
1: thought process when I put it out at first last year to like, help people realize how difficult this is. Like you make cuts, then you sign free agents. Then you have the draft.
0: If you draft first, it's really easy. But like you don't. (laughs) I think we talked about that a little earlier, like last week too, like how different would the landscape of the NFL be if the draft was first? Uh, There'd be a lot of veterans that didn't get jobs. And then there might be some other veterans that don't sign at certain places because they know they're not going to have a job because they drafted a rookie. Like it would just be an entirely different week.
1: Yeah, it would change everything. Like if you 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 could make your free agent signings already knowing what you got out of the number one pick,
0: that completely changes the structure of your roster. So if you haven't yet, absolutely go do this. Uh my only critique of what I'm seeing here from what Q did is you still have Trevor Simeon as your backup. Get him out of there. I need I need a different backup quarterback. Other than that, though, I'm fine. <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, I'm
0: I don't know at the end of the day,
1: it's just going to cost me more money to get rid of them. And it's like, I just have a hard time saying it because he's probably better than a lot of backups that are out there. So
0: you're not wrong in all reality. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, if you're depending on your back quarterback to win you more than like a game or two, your, your season's already in some dire straits. So <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. But that's all we got for tonight. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, making this a really fun episode. Uh, I thought it was like a, a really awesome talk. And the fact that we had such different mocks too, we really got to go through a lot of guys and I'm sure the listeners uh, learned a lot. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Had a good um, time. Again, where can people find you? Where can people find your stuff? Where can people listen to this awesome podcast that you can't see my hat because it's starting to fade off with my background now? Yeah. Shaving points
1: podcast. It's a uh, mostly football. Like we, we talk about football, probably like 90% of the episodes. We'll have a little bit of basketball in there once the playoffs come. But um, we put out all our picks at shaving-points.com. We have a college basketball model that ha- that is at the top of the tally site rankings and has been all season. So go check that out if you're into betting on college basketball. It has steered me right a lot this season and my co-host, Jay. Um, you can also hear me talking exclusively Bears on the bears on tap podcast. And you can find my
0: bears centric writing at on dot com. And uh, definitely that's where you could go find this awesome Excel sheet to uh, make sure when you get the Excel sheet, download it separately and save a file. You can't edit the original <laughs> for obvious reasons. Cause if you edit the original, then you would ruin it for everybody else. Um, but that's I, appreciate, I, I appreciate you putting that
1: out there. Actually. <laughs> I, I answer about like, 500 emails with that almost
0: that exact response i I can't (laughs) access it why wouldn't let me do anything because you gotta save it separately (laughs) yeah but that's all we have for tonight uh we're i'm gonna go catch up on the combine see how will anderson did because now he's getting closer to the top of my board um after certain events but uh you know bear down everybody yeah bear down